Hey guys, Paranormal Princess here, coming to you from my living room on an extremely cold and snowy night here in Colorado. I've got a nice fire going, a hot cup of tea, and I'm ready to discuss a subject that has interested me for a long time. So let's talk about the Bermuda Triangle. I know this isn't exactly ghosts or demons or anything like that, but I think it can definitely be considered possibly something paranormal. I've always had an interest in the subject and have bought a couple books and looked into it, but haven't really had the excuse to really delve in and check it out. So that's what we're going to be doing tonight. I thought about doing some sort of like Halloween episode because Halloween is only a few days away. And I'm super excited because obviously it's the only holiday that really matters. And I hope that all of you have some fun plans or went to some fun parties this last weekend. I love to see pictures of your costumes, especially if they are David Lynch or Twin Peaks themed, which I know is a stretch, but hey, you never know. Someone out there might have them. So anyways, let's get into tonight's subject. I'm sure most of you over the years have at least heard about the Bermuda Triangle or seen some sort of story or movie based on it. And basically the Bermuda Triangle is a section of the North Atlantic Ocean off of North America where more than 50 ships and 20 airplanes are said to have mysteriously disappeared. The boundaries are not universally agreed upon, but most people kind of put it in the area of a triangular shape marked by the Atlantic coast of Florida, Bermuda, and the Greater Antilles Islands, which I believe are in the Caribbean, if I'm not wrong. And it is said that all sorts of crazy stuff happens there. Like I said, tons of ships have disappeared, tons of planes have disappeared. There's so many stories of people who have had strange experiences either flying or sailing through there, where their compasses immediately stop working, equipment stops working, electronics, radios, all of that just for some reason completely stops and nobody can really figure out exactly why. And there's so many fun theories about this, both very scientifically based and very paranormal based. Um, I tend to lean more towards the scientific based, but some of the paranormal theories are pretty cool to consider because we really don't know what's out there. And for all we know, science could really just go right out the door. Sort of a fun fact, I guess the Bermuda Triangle didn't really get that name until 1964 when Vincent Gaddis was coining the term for a cover story for a magazine about the disappearance of Flight 19, which happened back in the 1940s. But first, I want to talk about one of the most infamous ships that disappeared in that area, the USS Cyclops. That's a mouthful. This ship had a crew of over 300 people and was nearly 550 feet long. The ship had been sailing successfully since 1910 and it traveled mostly between the Baltic Sea, the Caribbean, and Mexico while assisting with moving coal and helping refugees. In 1917, when America entered World War I, the Cyclops became a key naval asset transporting troops and coal to fuel other ships all over the world. The U.S. Navy says in an official statement about the Cyclops, the disappearance of this ship has been one of the most baffling mysteries in the annals of the Navy. 
All attempts to locate her have been unsuccessful. And it's pretty crazy that a ship that big with that many people can literally just disappear. And I know the ocean is deep and the weather in that area can be pretty crazy, but to just have it completely disappear seems to be absolutely insane. It's really no wonder that the area earned names like Sea of Doom, Graveyard of the Atlantic, and the Sargasso Graveyard. Those are just a few names that I came across while doing some research. One of the books that I've had on my shelf for a very long time is called Into the Bermuda Triangle, Pursuing the Truth Behind the World's Greatest Mystery by, oh gosh, excuse me if I butcher this name, John J. Kassar. I haven't been able to read the entire thing just yet, but I figured this was obviously the perfect time to delve into it. And he talks in here about the Cyclops as well. And it seems like there's a lot of like fanciful theories and lots of sensational articles that were written at the time. But he does mention that there were absolutely no distress calls and literally not a single trace of the ship was ever found. You would think that even with some sort of sinking or bad weather that just even a small piece of a ship that large or one body of the 300 crew members would have washed up somewhere. And even after the Cyclops disappeared, there are so many disappearances of freighters that were bigger or smaller or the same size as that ship. And some of these disappearances go all the way back to the 1800s. And given we didn't have the technology that we have today, so maybe it was more difficult to locate ships using sonar, or I suppose it's really hard to say. He has a whole chapter in this book about the vanished ships, and there's a whole other chapter listing out all of the missing planes and their crews and the years that they flew or sailed out. And it's pretty disturbing how many boats and planes and all that have gone missing. Tons and tons of people have disappeared. And I know it's totally a crazy out there theory, but it almost makes me wonder if they did sail into some sort of vortex or time warp and maybe they're still out there and maybe it's like a continuous time and they keep repeating the same day and you know all that good stuff that you'd read in any other horror book. Now, I'm not saying I necessarily believe this is true. I just think these are all interesting ideas to think outside of the box because that's what I'm here to do. Now, aside from the ships, another extremely famous case or disappearance that the Bermuda Triangle is blamed for is Flight 19. And this happened on December 5th, 1945. The flight originated at the U.S. Naval Air Station in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Five TBM Avenger torpedo bombers carrying 14 men took off at roughly 2.10 in the afternoon that day on a routine navigational training mission. For reasons that are still unclear, one of the pilots became convinced that his Avenger's compass was malfunctioning and that his planes had been flying in the wrong direction. It's extremely interesting because you can go on YouTube or probably anywhere on the internet and find transcripts of the distress calls that came in from this pilot. There was some crazy weather that came in all of a sudden and he was so disoriented. He had no idea where they had ended up and he thought maybe they had just gotten lost after that turn. 
and then the planes were never seen again, and nobody really knows what exactly happened. Of course, again, there could be a scientific reason for that, and a lot of people that have researched this subject over the years blame human error. And gee, sorry for that uh, loud noise that just came through. Without all the snow outside, it looks like, or sounds like, I should say, the plows are coming through, which will make my commute easier in the morning, so that's awesome. Anyway, back to the Bermuda Triangle. The last words that were heard from the pilot were Fox Tear 3, Fox Tear 3, Fox Tear 3. Those words came in very clear, and then after that, the broadcast ended, and nothing was heard from them again. Again, that brings in the question, how do five planes disappear with no trace? Absolutely none. Some of the articles that I did read talked about how statistically there really isn't that many more disappearances in the Bermuda Triangle than there is anywhere else. It just so happens that that area got sensationalized back in the day by reporters and newspaper articles and magazines, so it's really kind of just been a forefront and almost like a legend or a wives' tale. But there are so many people that have gone through it and actually survived it. And I'd like to read one person's account from that. I found it to be very interesting. And it's in the book, Into the Bermuda Triangle. And this person's name is Martin Caden. He was an expert pilot and engineer and has a complete knowledge of every aspect of aviation and its history. He has been a test pilot, instructor, and investigator and has flown almost every type of aircraft in most every place on this globe and is intimately familiar with numerous and varied weather conditions. So I would venture to say that this person would be a very credible source and isn't some sensationalist reporter or someone looking for attention. So this is his account. Now the weather was perfect. We had range up the gazoo. We had a couple million bucks worth of special avionics gear. We wanted to know what the weather was like. We didn't even have to look outside. We were getting direct printout photos on maps from satellites more than 20,000 miles above. One of those days when you could see forever. The perfect weather disappeared. We could only see the nose right in front. The wingtips disappeared into what looked like the inside of a milk bottle. Maybe it looked more like the inside of a batch of eggnog. You looked up, you saw a tiny patch of sky. Everything else was yellow mud or eggnog. You looked down and you saw a tiny patch of the ocean. And the rest, you guessed it, was eggnog. The magnetic compass began to rotate. It picked up speed and went whirling around as if it was a whirly gig. We checked the photo printout from the weather satellite. The picture showed us absolutely clear air. The nearest clouds were 200 miles south of us, but we couldn't see out the airplane. Just about that time, the print machine died. The electronic innards of the Catalina, all two million clams worth, shriveled up inside. The Loran went out. The electronic fuel gauges sogged to fuzzy markings. The long-numbered navigation gear, digital, read 8888888. The radios died. Everything still had power, but nothing worked. Why didn't we simply hold heading with the directional gyro? gyro? because it was trying to imitate the magnetic compass. We went down low. You could see tiny details of spray, but not 50 feet ahead of us. We climbed up to 8,000 feet, lots of eggnog up there too. 
About an hour out of Jacksonville, we seemed to penetrate a curtain. Of an instant, no more eggnog. We could see forever and ever. The mad compass settled down. The directional gyro quit its foolishness and steadied. The electronics emerged from their funk and everything worked perfectly. Now this leads into a theory that I find extremely interesting. In many reports and transcripts of distress calls, the people claim to be experiencing the extreme fog that kind of comes out of nowhere. And I was reading about a theory called electronic fog. It has been experienced numerous times. So oftentimes, it's like an elliptical-shaped cloud that starts forming around the aircraft or the boat that's going through. And that's when all of the weird electronic stuff starts happening and the compasses stop working, equipment malfunctions for no apparent reason. And this could possibly come from the extreme electromagnetic energy that is in this like funnel cloud and oftentimes too when this happens and the aircraft or the ship come out of this cloud or fog whatever you want to call it I like the term eggnog personally <laughs> but everything goes back to normal and there's reports of especially more so on the aircraft side of people being 30 minutes or more ahead of schedule than like they should have been in the amount of time that they were flying. So it's almost like this cloud propels them quicker, which could be paranormal, but that sounds to me that that's more of some sort of weather pattern craziness. Unfortunately, I'm not a weather woman. I wouldn't want that job, and I don't want to bore you guys too much with the science behind that. But can you imagine going through something like that and then being so far ahead of schedule that it feels like you just came through like a time vortex. And whether this is scientifically based, which it probably is, or paranormally based, the feeling that these people must have has to be extraordinary. That's not something that we experience every day and to have time pass like that when it's such a, a solid thing for us is just fascinating to me. So looking at some of the more logical theories about the Bermuda Triangle, um, from what I've read from a lot of people, it's been said that many authors who have written books over the years have not really done their research and that not nearly as many casualties have actually been had. And that maybe the authors are kind of trying to sensationalize things to sell their book, which, you know, I wouldn't really be surprised by that. I'd like to think the best of people, <laughs> but I know how it is with the paranormal and with any sort of, I guess, strange occurrence because people love that. We all love the mystery and we want to solve the mystery, but sometimes when the mystery is solved, it isn't really as exciting as we hoped. And the more I've done research for this podcast today, I'm honestly kind of disappointed because so many of the mysteries over the years kind of have some really good hard science and evidence behind them that they probably aren't paranormal and that there is no big mystery. But the other part of me really doesn't believe that because I think that there's just so much that we don't know and that we don't understand. And the mystery 
I guess, lives on in my head. But maybe I'm just delusional. But I really like to keep an open mind about these things. And I think that maybe some of these disappearances can be explained by different factors. Or maybe it was some sort of weird, perfect storm. Maybe the ocean really did just swallow these things up. But anyway. So, according to the Lloyds of London and the U.S. Coast Guard... The number that go missing in the Bermuda Triangle is the same as anywhere in the world on a percentage basis. So is it really just due to one person coining the term the Bermuda Triangle and writing an article on it that has caused people to be so invested in this mystery? Is that really all it took? A part of me feels like that's just, there's got to be something else there. There's got to be some reason why people are so fascinated with this and why so many ships and planes have disappeared and why so many people have had these strange occurrences that have survived and have told their stories about their experiences. The main thing that people also really like to point out who have looked into the Bermuda Triangle is that it probably really is just hurricanes, extreme weather, and... What I've read a lot is rogue tidal waves, which, again, I'm not super knowledgeable on the whole science behind the waves and the, how the weather affects all that. Like, I know it affects it, but I don't know why necessarily. And it's kind of a strange and scary thought to think that a rogue tidal wave that big could come out of nowhere and take out a ship that's as big as the USS Cyclops, or take out the five planes that were in the Flight 19. Um, another cool science-based theory is that there are something up there goes the uh, snow plow again. <laughs> I mean, like I said, at least my commute to work tomorrow will be nice. My whole half a mile commute. But mind you, it still sucks when you almost go through a freaking stop sign because there's so much ice. But anyway, so there are actually something called blue holes in Bahamas water area. And I'm sure they're elsewhere, but I know that there is a very large number in that part of the world. And these are basically like large underwater cavities that have been formed through geological transformations. And, you know, unless you're crazy and think the world is 2,000 years old, the world is exponentially older than that. <laughs> And so who knows over the years how these geological transformations have happened and how that affects things. So these caves are like bottle shaped and they have openings near the water surface and they can go hundreds and hundreds of feet down. One of the largest ones has been recorded in the Bahamas and it goes down 663 feet. It's called Dean's Blue Hole. So it's possible that these ships have somehow gotten, I guess, like sucked down into those. And there's no way that we would probably ever see any trace of them after that. But, you know, that still doesn't explain the airplanes unless somehow these things are coming out of the ocean and sucking down the planes as well. But I think the biggest thing that a lot of the skeptics attribute all of the hubbub 
about is just the sensationalism and the misinformation that's out there. There's people that share these stories. I, I found a really interesting about a pilot who supposedly was 600 miles away from where he was within like a really short amount of time. I'm not sharing all the facts here because I don't necessarily think it's legitimate. I can't find any record of it anywhere. But if you want to go look it up, his name was Peter Jansen. And you guys know how the internet is and even word of mouth. These kind of stories get out there, are labeled as true, and people take it as such. And many of the compass problems and the electronic problems could just come down to basic electromagnetic fields caused by weather or other sources, which makes complete and total sense. But I find some of the more paranormal theories to be a lot more fun than that. So I'd like to talk about those a little as well. And again, I'm not saying I believe any of this. I just think it's fun to think about and keep an open mind. So I was super surprised to hear or read that a lot of people think it might have to do with the lost city of Atlantis. Because supposedly when Atlantis was destroyed, it sank to the very bottom of the ocean. And the ruined temples and the whole city is supposedly still sitting at the bottom of this ocean floor. I mean, nobody has ever found evidence of that. But the great Atlantean fire crystals that once provided so much of the power and energy that was found in Atlantis could be the culprit for this. It's theorized, loosely theorized, that these crystals are still sitting on the bottom of the ocean emitting this power and this energy. And from time to time, the force field emitted by the crystals can become very powerful and could coincide with the weather or, again, that sort of perfect storm thing because hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ships and planes have flown through that area and been just fine. But when this perfect storm happens, the influence of these force fields can disintegrate and transform into pure energy, which could possibly cause the disappearances. And of course, what would a conspiracy theory be without talking about aliens? Some people have theorized that it is UFOs that are coming and taking the ships or the planes, and that's why there's no trace of anything. Um, I, in some form, think that there's probably life on other planets out there. I do believe that, but I've never really been super into the whole idea behind aliens or the, the concepts or even the movies. I think most of the movies, aside from like Alien, like the original, maybe a couple of the sequels were good, but most Alien movies just don't really, really do it for me. The Bermuda Triangle specific, I guess, association with UFOs might be due to the fact that the ocean is always in motion which could be the perfect breeding ground for where UFOs can operate or for them to materialize from their dimension into our world. Like I said, this one's really far-fetched, but who am I to say? Maybe that is where the aliens come to get their human... Not sacrifices, God, that's where my mind goes. Their human experiments. There we go. <laughs> and there's other rumblings about time warps or time travel vortexes, which... I think out of all of the more off 
the wall fairies, those are the ones that I've kind of always tended to believe. Maybe it's just because I like the idea of time travel and other dimensions and do believe that other dimensions exist, but it's for me it's like it almost goes hand in hand with the science of it, with the electromagnetic fields and maybe ley lines under the earth and the power of the ocean and other unknown factors all come together are causing these disappearances. One could also add astronomical alignment in with the stars and the planets and the moon. So many ancient societies really believed in the power of nature and the power of the moon cycles and the seasons. And I know a lot of that is dismissed today. Uh, as a witch, I try not to dismiss most of that because I do believe in the power of the earth and the power of the moon cycles. And I think on a smaller scale, that can be related to the paranormal theory that suggests that residual hauntings are sometimes caused by the weather or having the exact same circumstances happen that happened the night of someone dying or someone being murdered, you know, that it's Mercury's in retrograde, it's so many degrees out, it's this, it's that. And I think on a larger scale, that's where some of these disappearances might come in. Maybe the moon cycle is in a certain place and the electronic fog rolls in or a hurricane comes in and the tidal waves come out. I mean, any of that could really be a possibility. And while science can explain a lot of things, I think there are just some things that cannot necessarily always be explained. And in the last few pages of the book, Kassar says, the most important part in the consideration of any theory are the circumstances in which the plane or ship vanished. While in many cases this is simply unknown, in others they are so unusual as to suggest that the aircraft pilots and ship captains were faced with something completely foreign to them. Automatic alarms that should have sounded when disaster struck have consistently been silent. Vessels have vanished in calm weather without a trace, while others lost in storms have left debris scattered all over the beaches. In other disappearances, many messages were picked up hours after the aircraft disappeared, ran out of gas, and subsequently was assumed to be destroyed. Though this is, by our, our norms, completely impossible. In still other disappearances, entire planes with crews, passengers, and automatic electronic signals have been swept away while even on approach to an airport, while on radar, with no trace found whatsoever. Considering such sudden and traceless losses, it seems hard not to consider theories of sudden vortexes or time travel and dimensional exchange, even if they are still largely only fringe science. Along with this, it is impossible not to speak about the vast underlying world within of the atomic and subatomic world. And to me, I think that is a pretty good place to leave off. There's just so much information out there and so many theories that people have come up with. There's plenty of wackadoodles, but there's plenty of people on both sides of the spectrum who make completely valid and interesting points. And like I said before, I think I sit somewhere in the middle. I don't think it's aliens or anything that's necessarily super paranormal or, you know, demons coming through, nothing crazy like that. 
But I do think that we might not understand why some of this takes place in this area. And this isn't to say that, you know, other ships or planes that have disappeared in other areas of the world aren't experiencing the same things. They just might not hit the exact weather patterns or lunar cycles or electromagnetic fields that happen so often in the Bermuda Triangle. So it could be any number of these things, or it could just simply be that this area has gotten blown out of proportion and sensationalized, and that it's just human error or hurricanes or rogue tidal waves. But hopefully someday we will actually know and that we will truly solve the mystery. But do we really want to solve it? Because there's a lot of people that might not like the answers one way or another. This was a super fun experience getting a reason to look into this and crack open this book that I've had sitting on my shelf for a while. And I've gotten kind of tired of just sitting here and talking to myself because I think some of these conversations are more fun when you have someone to bounce ideas off of. So next month, I will be having, hopefully, a very cool special guest to discuss something that might not appease some people in the paranormal community, but both of us feel like it needs to be discussed and that it's important. And sometimes being skeptical is the best thing we can do as paranormal investigators and paranormal theorists. So I can't wait to share all that with you. The investigation with PRISM Colorado went super well. We had some very interesting things happen at the Dickens Opera House. I think that place is definitely haunted, and I hope that we can go back soon. I'm super happy to be a part of PRISM Colorado. They are a super professional group of people, and I really look forward to working with them. I do miss working with Code 3, but I hope that everything works out the best for them as well. They're a great group of people. And I think that in the paranormal community, as well in the nation and in the world, we all really are looking for the same answers and we should all support each other and try not to be dramatic or just shitty people. Nobody likes that. Anyways, those are the only updates I have for now. And again, have a great Halloween and I can't wait to get back with you guys next month with my super awesome guest. Paranormal Princess out.